Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Life at Peace. This is episode eight, and we're going to be talking about mental health today. So I wanted to do this episode in honor of the fact that May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which I had no idea about until earlier this month, actually. And so that was perfect. I thought, what better time to do an episode on this topic and to look at it from a biblical perspective. So that's what we'll be doing today. I discovered that the concept of mental health awareness has actually been around for a while. And in fact, the month itself was started in 1949. But it seems like it didn't really, the fervor of the movement didn't really take off until maybe the last decade or so. And this is just me, depending on your sphere of influence, maybe you've been an advocate for mental health for much longer. There's a lot that I'm going to hit on in this episode, including the stigma surrounding mental health in Christian circles, um, why we should guard our thought life, and how we can guard our thought life, all for the purpose of keeping a sound mind, as mentioned in 2 Timothy 1.7. Generally speaking, Christians don't like talking about mental health. It's a touchy subject that stirs up a wide range of emotions, makes people uncomfortable, and introduces a sort of cognitive dissonance. And what I mean by that is it can create tension in the mind of the believer because there's this idea that struggling with anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts makes someone a bad Christian or it indicates a lack of faith in God somehow. I'd venture to say that one reason Christians find this topic so difficult to confront is that it's scary. It's a jarring reality check that just because it looks like someone is doing well for themselves, has a support group, has all the success in the world, it doesn't mean that there is no issue there. And just because someone is walking with Jesus doesn't mean they don't struggle with battles in their mind. Another reason I think this topic may be so difficult to address in the church is that it challenges our theology. I grew up in a Christian family, so over the years, I developed this idea that I should never have doubts and that I should always unquestioningly trust God with everything. This isn't anything that my parents taught necessarily, just beliefs that I picked up from growing up in church. And while it's true that we should absolutely trust God with everything, the problem with this line of thinking that I've just described is that there's no room to be human. Real people, humans, do doubt, and we do need reassurances that God loves us, and we don't always want to trust God with everything. Maybe some of us even feel like we can't trust God with everything because of a lie that we were taught about what faith should look like. So anytime we've developed questions or wanted to challenge something that we were taught, we were shunned, essentially, because that went against the dogma of uh, trusting God unquestioningly and unyieldingly. And unfortunately for a lot of Christians, mental health is one of the topics that falls into the category of um, unacceptable (laughs) to, uh, to think about or even to discuss in the church. So when we finally meet someone or hear testimonies of people who face mental health challenges, it's a wake up call that Christians deal with a myriad of issues, not just the ones that we've deemed collectively acceptable to talk about. So the first place we can start with breaking all this down is the concept of thought life. So what is that? Well, it has to do with what we think about on a regular basis. So in other words, what is your general frame of mind? Do you constantly have dark thoughts? Are you a pessimist, an optimist? Are you the ball of sunshine that comes bouncing into the office every day, annoying your coworkers with your cheerfulness? The interesting thing about our frame of mind is that it doesn't have to depend on circumstances. Things could be going well in life, you're surrounded by people who love and care about you, 
but you may still get anxious or experience depressive episodes. Conversely, you could be in the middle of a hardship or a storm, but you maintain a genuinely positive or grateful attitude and take one day at a time. All of this to say, none of this is an exact science. Uh, Mental health is a very uh, complex and just challenging topic to navigate because there's no cookie cutter mold for any for any one person you can never predict who is struggling with mental health uh, challenges so in my humble opinion frame of mind much like personality could be subject to the whole nature versus nurture debate sure our circumstances may have contributed to the way we think but we still have the incredible ability to choose which thoughts we will entertain And I use the word entertain because through Jesus Christ, we do have the ability to control and to have power over what we think and what we allow into our minds. So battling thoughts is a daily necessity, which that brings me to the next point. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Every day when we go out, we're stepping into a world where both good and evil are at work. And because of this, we have to battle the evil or negative thoughts that enter our minds. I'm not saying that they're not going to come, but rather they are going to come into our minds. And so we have to exercise how are we going to filter through those thoughts and where are we going to keep? What are we going to throw out? Evil in this sense doesn't just mean that we're plotting to commit a murder or to rob a bank. But evil thoughts or negative thoughts could also be anything that directly counters God's word. For example, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Thoughts that would counter this are that you don't matter or that you serve no purpose in the world and there's already enough people in society contributing and uh, you really don't have a role to play. Those would be the thoughts that would counter that scripture. Anxiety is also a problem, especially with the younger part of the population and Gen Z, um, with the generation that's grown up with smartphones and technology and, and to the point where a lot of Gen Z kids or you know young adults will openly admit that they are more comfortable just texting or um, emailing someone than they are talking to them face to face. So social anxiety is a, is a huge problem. And uh, it it can be very crippling in a lot of cases to the point where you won't even want to go out and do anything uh, for fear of what might be that worst case scenario outcome. So for me, plenty of times in social settings, I've said something stupid or embarrassing, or I've just done something that didn't, I didn't represent myself as well as I could have or whatever. And the next day or even several weeks after it's happened, I still replay the event in my mind and I relive the embarrassment all over again. So anxiety, it just, you, it's a, you're walking around with this, um, just constant worry, constant panic over, you know, what the worst case scenario might be, as I mentioned a little while ago, or maybe just making, um, a fool of yourself in some way, or you're, you're just nervous about really just messing up, um, honestly, um, and this anxiety can play out no matter how irrational or unlikely the, the scenario may be. So this is really just when your thoughts spiral out of control. Maybe you take, maybe you've gotten some news or some information and you just run away with it and you you uh, ponder what it could turn into, even if that's not likely to happen. 
A couple weeks ago, I was driving and I noticed that one of my tires had lower pressure than the other three. And I wasn't sure why that was happening because I had just gotten the car serviced um, a couple weeks prior. So I really didn't expect anything to be wrong. And so I kept my eye on it. And it persisted for the next for the next two days, and so I just figured, okay, I'm gonna I have to do something about this. So, my dad he told me that Discount Tire will fill up tires for free. So I took it there um, the next day at work on my lunch break, and you know got the tire filled, and I thought I was all good to go. But then the guy who was working on it came to my window, and he said. The first thing he asked me was, how long have I had my car? Which I was like, um, well, two years. <laughs> I really didn't see how it was relevant to what he was asking. But then he went on to say, and he looked really concerned. He said, well, you're going to need to replace the tire. There's a bubble in it. And I just really was like, I was just processing because I hadn't noticed a bubble or anything abnormal about it before I took it in to get the air. <laughs> and so I was wondering, well... I mean, if there's anything wrong with it, it's something that you did because I, I didn't catch anything before I brought it to you. But nevertheless, I just thanked him and I left. And when I got back to my job from getting the tire filled, I just got out the car and, and looked around the car or looked at the tires. and I tried to see the bubble that he was talking about, but I didn't see it at first. And so when I got home later that day is when I noticed it. And so I, I went online, researched, you know, what does bubble and tire mean? And because I'd heard about it before, but didn't know too much about the specifics or why it was dangerous. And so I found that, you know, a tire bubble is very serious because that's usually the last step before you get a blowout. Um, so I was like, oh my gosh. And I was freaking out. I immediately started thinking, what if I get a blowout on the freeway? I'm going 70 miles per hour and this is just chaotic and... I just thought of all the terrible things that could happen. I'd seen the aftermaths of blowouts with tires all shredded on the side of the road. People stuck on the side of the freeway trying to change their tire. And so I just was um, not quite panicking, but almost there <laughs> mentally. And so, um, so yeah, just along the lines of anxiety, it's just you, you, again, take a situation, you think about the worst case scenario, and you just fixate on that. And it's it's crippling, honestly. It'll, it'll keep you from wanting to take action or wanting to do anything. So all that to say, um, the tire ended up being fine. Like, I mean, I, I got it replaced and so it's fine now, but um, just anxiety is definitely, um, if that's, if we let our thoughts go out of control, uh, that can really wreak havoc on our mental health in, in several different ways. And so it's, it's important to, uh, to get a hold of that, which I'm going to go into with this next section about taking our thoughts captive. Jesus has given us the authority and the ability to combat unwanted thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 reads, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Taking our thoughts captive means that we regain control of what we think about ourselves and about life. This goes back to what I said earlier about choosing which thoughts we entertain. When an impure or negative or dark thought comes, we can meditate on it, or we can throw it out and replace it with whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, as outlined in Philippians 4.8. It's not enough to just stop thinking negatively, to tell yourself, stop thinking that, stop thinking that, don't think that. 
We need to proactively decide what positive and life-giving things we will fill our minds with instead. I know I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at y'all, but this is truly the way to combat the battles in our minds. I'm not at all saying that this is easy. Please don't misunderstand. None of this is easy, but it is possible through Jesus Christ. Part of what can help us take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ is guarding our thought life. So when I say guarding it, I mean we have to survey and take inventory of what are we filling our minds with. Think TV shows, music, movies, books, and news. This is a question that we like to kind of run away from because it calls for some level of accountability on our part. It's important to note, though, that we all have different convictions about what we should or shouldn't consume. For example, I can watch crime investigation shows or intense action movies at night before I go to bed, and then I can sleep just fine afterward and not give it a second thought. Someone else, however, may be more sensitive to those things, and maybe they have a harder time moving on from what they just watched. So if you're extra sensitive to maybe horror movies, which I know I am, (laughs) or any just other types of, um, maybe certain types of music, maybe certain songs make you uncomfortable, or you can't really listen to them without cringing because the lyrics really convict you, then that's what I'm talking about here. Um, Not everyone is convicted by the same things, and so... This is a decision that you have to make for yourself. You have to take inventory of what you're consuming on a regular basis and how that's affecting your thoughts, your behaviors, your attitudes towards other people. And then based on whether you're satisfied with that or not, you got to make the proper adjustments. What we take in, good or bad, and good and bad really, will get into our spirit and from there it can become a normal part of how we think and view the world. And you guys can test this out for yourself. I mean, like I just mentioned, just think about what you think about on a regular basis. Like, consider that. And just take a moment to ponder how that's um, influenced your decisions and your opinions on different things. I know in psychology, without going too deep into this topic, but there's something called confirmation bias, which simply means that we seek out and... um, search for information that really just confirms what we already believe or what we already think about something. And, you know, this is also known as an echo chamber on social media or in your social circles. And so really, again, if you can think about the stuff that you, um, you know, entertain your mind with on a regular basis, if you're, if you're okay with how that's, (laughs) with how that's guiding your life, then by all means continue. But, Um, you know, if you're feeling convicted in any way about what you're taking in, the books you're reading, the movies, the TV shows, whatever, then, um, that conviction is really just the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention and, and just tell you, Hey, maybe it's not the best thing for you to be watching those kinds of things. Or, you know, maybe the way that you're thinking is a direct result of something that you're, um, just consuming on a regular basis. So it's important to just take note of all these things and to pay attention. With all that said, our minds are incredible, but they're also delicate and they're sacred and they're extremely impressionable. Uh, Whatever we consume can leave a lasting subconscious impact on what we, uh, that we don't realize until further down the road. And also the people that we associate with play a major role in our thinking as well. The Um, friends that we have, which I'm not going to go too much into friends because the season finale episode 
will focus on friendships and uh, friends in that sense. But I will, um, I will say though that friends are extremely influential and they can either work wonders or wreak havoc on our mental health. So also along with the stuff you're consuming, think about who is in your circle and maybe whether they're helping or hurting your mental health. I'm not trying to say that everything we consume needs to be Christian-based or G-rated, but you know the thoughts that you struggle with. And if you're honest with yourself, you may have some idea what the triggers for those thoughts are based on what you're filling your life and your mind with. I want you all to know God cares about our mental health and our well-being. He also understands that mastering our thoughts is difficult. That's why there are scriptures that talk about taking our thoughts captive, setting our eyes on things above rather than earthly things, and thinking about things that are pure, lovely, and praiseworthy. We have the scriptures to reference, so now we have to apply them, test them. Taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ is something that must be done daily or hourly or just as often as you remember to do it. It takes practice and time to retrain our minds to think about life and about ourselves the way God sees us. There's a movie that came out a while ago. It's called Evan Almighty, and it's the sequel to Bruce Almighty that stars Jim Carrey. And in Evan Almighty, Steve Carell, or Michael Scott for my office fans out there, uh, he's the main character, and in one scene of the movie, he's getting ready for his first day at a new job. And he stands in front of his mirror saying, I am successful, I am powerful, I am handsome, I am happy. And he keeps repeating that to himself. And in his classic Steve Carell way, he makes it goofy and silly. But the message there was that he was trying to encourage himself. Talking to yourself, as cheesy as it may sound to some, can often be more powerful than just thinking positive thoughts. So maybe the first step is to start thinking those positive thoughts, retraining your mind to go in a different direction. But then after that, maybe try talking to yourself, encouraging yourself, just hearing it out loud coming from you so that you can believe it before you expect everyone else to. No doubt this is advice that you'd likely get from a therapist, but that brings me to my next point about how therapists and counselors exist for a reason. Yes, it's okay to have Jesus and therapy. They're both okay to use. And it's great to pray for help with controlling your thoughts, but what if God's answer to your prayer comes through a therapy session? What if he uses that person to give you tools that you need or to give you wisdom that you needed to fight the battles in your mind? Faith without works is dead, so that means even if we believe for God's help through a situation, it's still on us to take action in the strength that he's given us. So it's, I kind of I liken this verse to um, faith without works is dead. I like to think about this in relation to a test. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like a test in school, if you... You know, if you just pray, Lord, help me to, to get an A on this test, but you don't study for it, you don't read your book, you don't review your notes, then you're probably going to fail the test. But after you pray, you know, Lord, help me to do well on this test, then it becomes your responsibility to study, to do the proper um, note taking, to ask questions, get help. And then after you've done all you can do on test day, you can rest and be more confident that you're going to do well on the test. So same thing with faith without works is dead. Praying for your mental health to get better is good, that's fine, but that's that can't be all that you do. After you pray for that, then go out, have some accountability, hang out with some friends, uh, do something that's going to 
um, help move you in the direction towards experiencing a better um, mental state and overall increased mental health. At the heart of this entire mental health issue is a battle between truth and lies. The truth is, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The lies are that nobody cares about you, you're useless, and you're unworthy of love. The truth is that God has kept track of all of your sorrows and has collected your tears in his bottle. The lies are that nobody sees you and you're alone in your suffering. So truth and lies, like all the time, that's those are the battles that we have to face and have to fight every day when we get up and go out into the world. There's plenty of lies coming at us. There's plenty of competition. Uh, people that are just telling you or showing you that you don't matter to them and, and that, you know, there are people out there that are doing better than you. We have to just fight and push through all of that and just don't believe it for a minute. Study God's word. Um, just believe what he says about you. Believe the things that he has already spoken over you and believe what he's showing you. He showed you how much he loves you by sending Jesus to give up his life and to resurrect for our sins. So that's the truth that we all need to focus on. And just by doing so, that is the best way that we can combat the lies and just to um, just to fight through all of that. Um, because when we go out, it's not just, we don't just, we're not just contending with good. You know, Satan is out there too. And he wants to, um, he wants to distract us with, with lies and with, um, convincing us that we don't matter and that we have no place in the world. So don't let them win. So I want to leave y'all with this. Gaining control of our thoughts and overall mental health is an ongoing endeavor, but through Jesus Christ, it is totally possible to overcome. Use the earthly tools you have at your disposal. Go to counseling, go to therapy sessions. If you're on medication, you know, take that as you need it. But just know that the mental health battle is not one that you have to fight defenseless or in isolation. And that brings us to the end of episode eight. So this has been um, a little bit of a heavier episode, but I felt it was important to do. And I thank you guys for tuning in and for taking the time to listen. Please go share this, leave positive reviews on this episode, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, if you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Life at Peace podcast channel. And I will be back with you guys um, in two weeks for um, just for a new episode, whether still deciding if that's going to be the season finale or not because we're approaching the summer. But I am looking forward to uh, wrapping up season one with you guys very soon. And we are now up to 257 overall podcast downloads in the four months that I have been uh, hosting this. So I thank you all again, and I will see you guys next time. Enjoy the next couple weeks and peace.